0: Hello everyone, I'm excited for today's episode, and uh, I'm not really sure (laughs) what exactly is going to happen on today's episode, but that's part of why I'm excited about it. Um, Welcome, episode 65. I'm calling this one Storytellers, and uh, I'm loosely going to be connecting a few different thoughts for you. As you can hear in my voice, I'm not exactly in tip-top shape, but that's okay, um, this is for a good reason. It's allergies, which is you know, not exactly a fun thing to deal with. But it's because in February, we're sitting here in Pittsburgh and we've had a couple days of over 60 degrees. So uh, it's been pretty wonderful, especially as I've been trying to muster up the courage and strength to run in 20 and 15 degree weather so much in the last two or three months. It's so nice that I went running yesterday and it was 70. So, um, with that being said, nothing good comes for free. I've had to trade off my sinuses for that, uh, warm weather. So you get to listen to an episode where I sound like this, but that's okay. Uh, right now it's February, mid February, I should say. And, um, there is a lot that's about to start happening in in life for me. So, uh, for many of you, you know, I'm training for the Pittsburgh Marathon, which is going to be a beast for all kinds of reasons. I've never run a marathon. Pittsburgh in particular, it's one of the best ranked marathons in regards to experience and culture and all that um, and large. But it's one of the worst in that there are just a lot of, hills and bridges. And so I'm mentally preparing for that uh, over the next few months while I physically prepare for it. Um, So May 7th, that is coming quickly. So on the one hand, it's just a little bit less than three months away. But when it comes to -to week-to-week training, that's not too far away. Um, But on a more deep, holy, spiritual level, uh, we're getting ready for Lent which um, if you are someone that recognizes or observes Lent, Lent, it starts next week, Ash Wednesday. And uh, there's all kinds of things that come with Lent. I might do some specific reading for Lent, maybe share some of that with you. But what that means for me is that I'll be taking over our church's Bible study for uh, the Kind of duration of Lent. So there'll be five different weeks that we're doing this uh, series together. And then uh, I'll also be a part of a community Lenten service. Uh, so I'll be able to preach at that, which will kind of be an ecumenical multi church thing. Um, and then on top of just normal uh, preaching and uh, youth stuff here. So a lot of different stuff going on. I hate to use this phrase. think you all know me well enough at this point, or if you listen to me long enough, you know I don't mean it in some yucky way, but it's just a lot of content production uh, for the next uh, six to eight weeks, which is exciting. That's what I love to do, but it's a lot. So uh, my goal is to maintain this podcast along the way. I'll be interested to see what that shapes up into, but nonetheless, here we are. So one of the things I'm really excited about in that stretch of time is for the Bible study. um, This is sacrilegious because, well, I guess it's not Bible study, but it's called Bible Basics, and usually they're going through different sections of Scripture. I will not be using Scripture as my uh, primary study tool, but rather we're going to go through a book together, and it's a book that I've talked to you guys about quite a bit. uh, So I'm sorry that they get the first pass at it. Um, But we're going to do The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Now, I was really actually torn between doing The Great Divorce and the Space Trilogy or the Ransom Trilogy by Lewis, which is one of his least known works of fiction slash works at all. Um, And it's really, really interesting, especially with all these uh, UFO uh, reports uh, and uh, debates right now with all the balloons and unidentified octagonal objects flying through the U S apparently aliens are only interested in the United States nowhere else. (laughs) Um, but, uh, the space trilogy is wonderful. I, I just don't know. It's the same thing with when I did the Narnia series. Um, I just don't know if doing like a large work of fiction like that is conducive for this kind of podcast format, unfortunately. Um, we'll see, maybe I could do it, but it's really tough to, Just parse it down to some cool ideas rather than having someone read the story. That's how it was designed to be taken in. But The Great Divorce, is a little bit different. Um, It's a little bit more on the nose. If you don't know what The Great Divorce is, it's kind of allegory is the wrong term. Lewis wouldn't like it uh, because he's not trying to do too much there, but he's trying to teach some kind of moral. He says that in the preface. Uh, but it's about the afterlife, and so the the setting is that there's a bunch of people that live in this gloomy twilight town, uh, and you have the option of getting on this bus, and the bus takes you up to the solid land, and you're right on the outskirts of heaven. Um, but you, it turns out, as you get to the outskirts of heaven, that you that land it's so solid, and it turns out you're a ghost. And you have to become a solid person. Even walking on the grass hurts your feet. And you have to build up resistance and, and tolerance for the solid land as you become a solid person. And everyone that is kind of trying to make this journey has their reasons for why they resist it. Even though it looks like something they want, it seems like there are things that they can't let go of that keeps them from, from choosing to go into the solid land. And so it's a very fascinating book it's one of the uh most significant things I think that Lewis has written uh but you know I probably say that every time I introduce a Lewis book it's a very easy on-ramp to Lewis because it's only like 130 pages um, and the chapters only like five pages long uh, and once you know what I just told you uh it, sets you up to read it well, because I do think Lewis's weakest point as a writer is his introductions and and first parts. I think he has like a great idea and he writes from the middle to the end and then he goes back to the beginning beginning and he's like, all right, what can I just say to get this started? Or he's like me when I write a paper and you just write like really boring stuff in the beginning. You're like, I'll come back and fix that later so you can get to the meat of it. And then he never goes back and fixes it later. So I probably wouldn't say that to his face, but you know he passed away in the 1960s. So being someone that cares so much about his work, I think I should at least say that. That's a lot of talking about nothing that we have to do uh or talk about today. Well, I guess kind of. I can find a way to connect. I just wanted to tell you all I'm excited about some things coming up. Um, the great divorce stuff I think will be recorded. And so I'll publish that on my website. Maybe I got to figure out some logistics of how I can do that. But um, maybe I can double dip a little bit and share some of that with you too. So um, that's what's up there. But today's episode is Storytellers. The reason I've been thinking about Storytellers lately, um, well, a number of reasons. One, I've been reading quite a bit of fantasy uh, in the new year. So books that, again, won't really translate too well to this podcast. But it's been really enriching for me to just jump into some stories again. And you just see repeated themes throughout stories that that matter to you and that are exciting for you. Um, there are motifs and themes that have kind of stood the test of time through ancient writings that get recapitulated and um, transformed into new versions of themselves as we continue to see society develop. And you see repeated ideas from story to story. And it's like, is this plagiarism? It's like, no, it's just a reimagination of something that humans have known for thousands and thousands of years. Um, But it's still exciting to see different stories get built in the way that like authors of fiction novels can do. But then I was thinking about, um, like a historical stories. Um, so historical narratives or, um, trying to think of the specific term, uh, but basically where you take some historical facts and you write a, um, kind of a fiction based on that. Uh, what is that called? Fiction history book. Uh, okay, historical fiction. Okay, I guess it's in the title. The, but I I've read a couple of those that some are about like U.S. history and some are about biblical history, which is interesting because you're taking as many facts as you can to create this other idea. Sometimes fiction, it's like creating a whole different world on planet Mars. Um, but sometimes it's like, no, let's take something we all know and then. Kind of experiment with what could be um, or, you know, kind of decide what we think things were actually like. So that's an interesting take on like how to tell a story. But then I was just thinking on a simpler level, it's like, okay, well, then we have movies, right? Or TV. I'll put them in the same category, um, but obviously different. But why do we gravitate towards movies and TV so much? Like, all right, well, it's because they're stories right okay sometimes you like a story that scares you there's something about the 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 adrenaline that it gives you okay sometimes you like a story that's just about romance or a story that makes you laugh hysterically it's about silly people doing silly things or a a story that is so dramatic it just grips you at every turn or a story that is so, um, inspiring. It makes you want to get off the couch in the middle of the movie and go do the thing they're doing in the movie. Um, That's why podcasts are so interesting. Uh, this is a nerdier podcast of like, oh, let's talk about these books, right? But there are some po- there are podcasts about everything. Sometimes there's true crime podcasts that people are just fascinated by these stories of how these crimes occur and how they get solved or how they go unsolved. Or sometimes there's stories about I don't know, great leaders or great thinkers or horrible leaders and horrible thinkers. Sometimes it's just stories of current events, right? There's so many stories. And then I was thinking on a further level of like, man, don't you just love having a great storyteller in your friend group? You know what I mean? Like someone that's just amazing at like recounting stories. So there's this, uh, Show that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to everyone. It's definitely a particular taste you have to have for it. It's very dark. Um, it's kind. I liken it to the Twilight Zone, but I probably shouldn't because I don't really know the Twilight Zone that well. But that's the vibe I get from it. It's called Black Mirror on Netflix, that, and uh, I haven't watched it in years. But basically, the premise of the show, it, I would describe it as. This isn't in, in the bio or anything description, but Black Mirror to me is. Nine out of 10 times a cynical take on what will happen if technology continues to develop without us carefully restricting how it develops in society, right? So a lot of people talk about the internet and how the internet developed before we knew how to regulate it essentially, right? And there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube or social media, same kind of thing. It started out innocent, started out with great intentions, but it has done damage. Black Mirror to me is that with um all of technology. So each episode's uh, it's like an anthology, so they don't you don't have to watch them in order or anything. They're all just kind of like topical. Um again, uh, I am not recommending it to you cuz I don't know who's listening and uh, it's dark. It's a dark take. Um it it is interesting to me though. And there's an episode where you can get this, you know, implant into your head and uh Basically, the way the implant works is that you can save specific memories that you've seen with your eyes because it's in your head. And then it's kind of like Bluetooth, like you could project those memories back onto a TV or something, or you can just play them back in your head like exactly as they are. Um, And so it it shows like this group of college friends get together like, oh, do you remember that one thing we did? And someone projects it up on the screen. Oh, you remember that other thing? They project it up on the screen. And then there's someone there that got their thing removed and everyone was treating them like they were crazy. It's kind of like how your friends like treat you. If you say you're vegan, they're like, what? You gave up meat? Oh, you gave up all animal products? They're like, oh, that's good for you. But they're really like, what a weirdo. I don't think vegans are weirdos. I'm just trying to give an analogy here, uh, but it was a fascinating, you know, thing because I think initially people would resist that kind of technology, but it would just take one person to get it and tell you how amazing it is till the next person does, and then everyone would get it. But why would that be so valuable to us as a society? Well, for you know historians would be valuable because then we could like catalog and archive actual things that actually happened. And not just third-party videos, but like first-person videos of how things happened. But I think for all of us as a culture, as a community, as a society, we'd value that because we would have the story. But it wouldn't be as amazing as we think, right? Because when you tell a good story, you cut out the extra details that aren't necessarily needed right? So uh, on the one hand, you might think, oh, I need to tell you every single detail of every single thing that happened. It's like, that's not how we tell stories. If that's how we told stories, movies would be 12 hours long. You know, we like stories, you know, movies usually take place over weeks and months. So, I mean, if you wanted every detail, you'd be sitting in a movie theater for weeks and months. We tell the important parts that help convey the truth, the message, the the moral, the experience, right? And so the friend in your friend group, or maybe it's you, you've you value stories. And you've got like kind of like this uh, stenographer or historian in your group of friends or your family or someone that you always look at on holiday dinners. Um, And you know they're going to be able to tell you either a funny story that just happened or they're responsible for recounting a story that you all have known for years. But you really love the way this person tells it. Now, I love telling stories, as you can tell from listening to this podcast for any length of time. I like to just talk about things that are happening, things that I hope will happen. It's fun. It's fun. I love telling the same few stories like some of my friends make fun of me because uh, like or not make fun of me. I shouldn't say that, but they think it's weird that I like I can just rewatch stand up comedians. But what's a stand up comedian? It's someone telling a bunch of funny stories. And you go, yeah, but you already know the punchline and It's like, yeah, but it's still a funny story. Right. So I can go back and rewatch it. And laugh at the same stories, the same way that we like to tell the same stories to one another. That's how we've su- uh, survived as a, a society, but that's how we also like thrive. It's like... That's what we do when we get together. We share stories. That's what relationship with one another means. It means we're sharing a little bit of my story, a little bit of your story, and we trust each other enough to share each other's stories. And there's humor, and there's tears, and there's anger, there's hope, there's grief, there's all these things wrapped up in stories. Scripture itself, it's a it's a bound-together physical document of stories, that before it was bound together physically, it was told orally. It was told in story format around fires and in the midst of in uh, slavery. It was told in the midst of uh, being ripped out of their country as they told the story of their ancestors. It was told as they were in the promised land. It was told as they were looking for the next place they're supposed to go. It was told when they were living under Roman rule. It was told as they were living in the 1200s and the 1800s. And now in the 2020s, the story of our faith has been, well, a series of stories. Um, And this has all been fresh on my mind for a little bit for a number of reasons, as I've already mentioned, but uh, particularly this week because uh, we had our Youth Sunday, and uh, we do this every February, usually February, um, and I've been fortunate enough to be a part of seven of these now. And uh, each year, we really strive to have our teenagers lead every part of worship in our church service. Uh, the only thing they didn't do this year was the music uh, Though we did have youth join in leading music. Uh, we used to have a whole youth praise band and a youth orchestra. So they literally did everything. Um, but uh, because of COVID, like we've just not rebounded there and we're bringing in fresh people and it was really exciting. Um, but the big component of that, and I, I you know, if there are any teens listening, don't worry. I don't mean this in that way, but A large component, I should say, is the the youth preacher, and it's not because I think the preaching is the most important part, but it is the most daunting part for most people. Public speaking in general scares a lot of people. It's one of the highest fears if you look up like most common phobias and whatnot. Um, So even if you're reading something pre-written, that's scary. Um, But trying to share your story with a lot of people, that's scary. Not only that, but you've got the added weight of trying to share your story through the lens of like the gospel. Very scary. And over the last seven years, I've been able to hear a number of different teenagers get up and preach. And you never really know what a teenager is going to say. I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, you guys know me. I I work with teenagers. I think it's kind of messed up that we always give extra baggage to like, oh, those teens. It's like, man, I can never trust what adults are going to say either. I've heard some really bizarre sermons in my life. I'm like, who let that person get up there and start talking? But teens are a little bit more unfiltered, not because they're trying to be... um Kind of edgy or something, which is the cringy part of what some bad speakers do as adults. They're like, I'm going to say something to get you riled up. Teens are usually just being unfiltered because as a teenager, you just have a particular uh, appreciation for authenticity. And this Sunday, uh, I'm not going to kind of rehash her entire sermon, but one of our teens shared a very personal story about her life. And about her faith and her struggles with faith because of things that have happened in her life, things she didn't ask for, things that were out of her control, uh, things that have impacted her, and that she'll know and take it with her for the rest of her life. If you want to hear that story, uh, you're able to go find that on your own. Um, but to me, the joy of that is I got to sit down with her uh, for the last month and a half and hear that story seven different ways. I got to hear her perspective on scripture seven different ways. I got to talk to her about what she was nervous about or what she was excited about. I got to kind of counsel her as she thinks about like, well, what's the most important thing to share here? And how can I say this without coming off the wrong way? And how can I point people to something that's important? Um, As a teenager, to be willing to get up and share your story Whatever it might be, it doesn't need to be some dramatic thing. It just needs to be honest. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. It's not just for teenagers, though. When we actually expand that, it's like that's the scariest thing for most people, sharing your story. But it's the most important thing. So this phrase that we have that we say at our church all the time, um, and we tie it to the uh, uh, our prayer of confession that we have every week, it's called the Assurance of Pardon, and we usually draw in a different uh, piece of scripture. It could be the same one every week, but you know, maybe we'll say, you know. You know the Apostle Paul says that anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old's passed away; all things have become new. Or maybe we say, you know, John three sixteen says that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son, and that anyone believes in him won't perish but will have everlasting life. Or maybe we say that you know Jesus uh, loves us so much that he leaves the ninety nine to go find the one. Or uh, even in a world of nothing but prodigals, God is the loving Father who is welcoming us home at every moment in our lives, whether we've realized it or not. Or maybe it's uh, Romans 5, 8, while we were still lost in our sin, while we still were still uh, in our darkest moments, God loved us. Or maybe it's 1 John, it's that uh, we love God because God first loved us that our love is always a response, not an initiation. And all of those are preambles to say, friends, this is the good news of the gospel. And then we all together say, in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Now, this is not every church. It's not every Presbyterian church. This is just the culture of my church. I'm sure there are many like it. But we talk about that phrase, the good news of the gospel. And we talk about... Okay, well, if gospel literally means good news, we're not just talking about the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're talking about the gospel as a whole, scripture, but it's not just scripture. It's the collective story of our faith that we have shared together, that we have passed down from generation to generation. And it's important that we're not just telling the stories of scripture, that we're telling the story of our faith and relationship with God too. And just like I've had the privilege of seeing seven years worth of teens get up and share stories from their own life and their own faith at such a young age, it's been just as valuable to me to get to know so many people older than me uh, and my age, share their stories with me as well. And hopefully they feel that uh, in the opposite direction as well. Uh, It's been so important to me when I was a teenager, hearing my youth pastor share his story with me, or hearing the leaders at different retreats that I've been on share their stories with me, or hearing uh, peers in college share their stories with me, or hearing people in my current church that are, you know, decades older than me share their stories with me in ways that make me feel like we're old friends, which we are. Um the reality is that this faith doesn't continue to grow or spread and thrive unless we learn how to share our stories. And I think the biggest fear most of us have uh, with public speaking is, one, we'll say the wrong thing. Two, we'll say it poorly with a stutter, the wrong intonation, we'll get choked up, etc. cetera. Um, Three, that people will think we don't know what we're talking about. Four, we'll worry that people think we're silly or uh, fake or whatever it might be. Um, or And five, I guess, related to four. I'm coming up with these off the top of my head. Five, I think people can are concerned that if they share something, uh, people are going to have an opinion or, or view it as silly. Uh, I know that's what I already said in number four, so... Uh, Maybe this is 4B, but I think one of the biggest concerns once you get over like the literal speaking part and the, you know, dry mouth that comes with it, once you get to the content fear, the fear is around how are people going to perceive me after I say what I want to say? Are they going to think I'm dumb? Are they going to think I'm lying? Are they going to think? Are they going to think? Are they going to think? And at the end of the day, our job as humans is to share stories with one another. That's part of what makes us a society. It's what makes us community. But the extra flavor to that, the extra layer to that, the extra impetus to that as followers of Jesus is that we have been given this great story that we have been trusted with from centuries upon centuries upon millennia of believers that we will never meet they're dead. But we've heard their stories. Even some of the stories we've heard about this faith, like we don't even know where they came from. Someone did. 500 years ago, someone knew where that story came from, but we we don't know all the names. If you want to learn some church history, you'll learn a lot of names. You still won't learn them all. But at the end of the day, we've been trusted with stories. And in 2023, we have so many ways to share stories. You have the internet. You can connect with anyone around the world almost. Uh, in a matter of seconds. You can make videos. You can make music. You can write poetry. You can write letters. You can write emails. You can speak to people over cups of coffee. You can make a podcast from your apartment. There are so many ways to share stories, and it's so, so, so important. And I've just been so blessed to be a part of the lives of the teenagers in my church that have you know, been willing to share their stories over the last few years, not just with me, but with our congregation. And um I just think the joy that we get in telling stories with our friends, you know, with our families, funny moments from our past, exciting moments, sharing our hopes, our dreams. A huge part of that should overlap with the joy that we get by sharing our faith and not in some, you know, aggressive or oppressive way where you force these stories on people. Part of being a good storyteller is recognizing when you're going on too long. Part of being a good storyteller is recognizing when the joke didn't land. Part of being a good storyteller is recognizing that this story isn't for everybody. You don't tell the same story with your group of friends at home that you do with your parents, that you do with your friends from college. Do you ever try to mix friend groups? These are my friends from home. These are my friends from college. These are my friends from my 30s. Like it's like oh man i don't know if friend group a is going to fit with friend group b there are certain stories certain ways you tell stories that fit in certain places that don't in others storytelling it's an art it's an art that humans have learned intuitively throughout all of human history and when it comes to our faith when it comes to the gospel it's an art we have to we have to learn how to do and it's really important and so uh As I already mentioned, one of the arts of storytelling is learning when a story has gone on too long. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up here now and say I'm just so grateful to be part of a congregation that values empowering teenagers to lead and to share their stories. Not because we think teenagers are perfect, but because we recognize that they never will be because we adults aren't perfect and we empower teenagers to see that they have a place in this congregation now. Not that we have to prepare them to have a place later, but that they are valuable now. that They are important now. And for me, you know, to get on my soapbox for a second, most of society is downplaying or does downplay throughout all of history, the importance of teenagers or young people or young adults, um, Think about politics. Oh, you just think that because you're fourteen. Wait until you're old. Oh, you just think that because you're twenty two. Wait until you you've, you know, had to pay into your, you know, social security. Oh, you just think that because you're in your thirties. Oh, you just think that because you haven't but, you know, hit the recession yet. Oh, you just there's just always someone disparaging someone based on their age. I'm gonna you know, you can have those debates in every realm, every sphere you want in life. But I'll say this. What we have for sure in the language of the gospel is Paul writing to Timothy that no one should be able to despise him or to put him down because of his youth, but rather that he's been called just as other people have been called. In the same way, it's really been a joy for me to be in my role here at the church, being able to help kids discern their calls. Not perfectly, but they start to learn how to listen. Listen well, listen carefully, and uh, it's something that I think we lose as as adults. We lose that childlike ability to just listen well and just do. And so I hope that today your challenge is to listen well and to tell the stories that you hear along the way to what you've heard. Whatever you're hearing, share it with someone. Get comfortable sharing it with someone And share it with the people that matter and share it with the people that you want to matter and who knows what'll happen next. So thanks for listening. Uh, We are going to jump back into some books next week, but until then, go in peace.